Yes, you, you lucky sausage. You found the Talk Marketing Show, where the League of Marvelous Marketeers give up everything you need to be more successful in your business. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, Hello there, my name is Martin Henley. This is the Effective Marketing YouTube channel. And if you've spent a second here, you will know that I'm on a mission to give you everything you need to be successful in your business. Now, as far as I know, what you need if you want to be successful in your business is really effective marketing. So not only am I here giving you everything I know about sales and marketing, I'm also pulling in anyone I can find to extract their knowledge, to share their experience of sales and marketing with you, with a view, so enabling you to be more successful in your business. Now, you can support me in this endeavor simply by watching this video through, simply by taking something of value from it, simply by implementing that in your business and commenting about that below. And of course, if you wanna like and share, then that would help the channel enormously also. So today's guest holds a master's degree in business administration. She has video experience going all the way back to 2012 when she served as an apprentice with Creative Scotland. She is currently producer at High Tide, the video production company she co-founded in 2017. High Tide is a video production company that enables big thinkers to connect meaningfully with their audiences and wins awards and has won clients including Just Eat, Tesco Bank, Edinburgh International Film Festival, Krabby's, Ginger Beer, Glenmorangie, and other alcohol brands. Today's guest is left-handed and has no appendix. Today's guest is Alex Porter-Smith. Hello, Hello, Alex Porter-Smith. How are you doing? <laughs> I am really well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. You're good at intros. <laughs> thank you. I'm getting better at them. <laughs> What's that? I think I'll get that on my LinkedIn, just that video, nothing else. You can do that. You're perfectly welcome to do that. Yeah, I am getting good because there's been about 60 now. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of know where I'm going with them when I start. So that's cool. Um, I want to talk to you about the fact that you're in Edinburgh. Are you in Edinburgh? Yes, I am in Edinburgh. The thing about Edinburgh that people may not know is that Edinburgh is the most three-dimensional city, <laughs> certainly that I've ever been to. And it must be the most three-dimensional city in the world because like you have google maps and google maps will be telling you you're there at the place you're supposed to go to but you're clearly not and then it you turns out it's it. it's underneath you <laughs> it's insane i did tough mudder with a few of my cousins uh, a few years ago and uh, they were like oh alex you know it's going to be hard there's a lot of hills and my auntie was like alex will get up the hills she lives in edinburgh like there's not a question about it like there's not really yeah there's not proper hills here like there is in edinburgh so and she was right i, I did the hills pretty well so yeah, yeah i would agree with that it's a bit mad <laughs> and there's actually staircases so you take a staircase from like one street to another street it's in, it's like a computer game. 
yeah it is like there's in the city chambers which um you know it's the registry office and a few other things in there um it, it looks like you come in on the ground floor and you maybe go up one floor but i think there's actually something like 12 floors below you and um, because there's another street below that and so yeah it's very confusing there is also used to be a club that did exactly the same where you went in on the ground floor and you went up about six flights of stairs and then you came out on the ground floor <laughs> so it it's was, insane um, because uh, I was there for the fringe so I was there to see some comedy I had friends involved in the comedy and so you get you get to go into some of the, those venues and yeah. it is like that you literally you can go in, or in from one street and go yeah. up in the building and come out on another street <laughs> yeah. it's wild people don't know that but this about Edinburgh I certainly didn't know this about Edinburgh it is wild isn't it yeah, it is. And it's quite funny when you go somewhere else because you don't really think about that. Like, it's quite normal to me that you can do that. But um, then you Alex, go somewhere else, and just go up and then down. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> it's not normal. I promise you, it's not normal. <laughs> and there can't be, it must be the most three-dimensional city in the world, I think. Yeah, it's also, I think, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I've tried, I'm from Edinburgh. I was born here. I've tried to leave. I failed because there's just so much going on. And yeah, it's such a nice place to live. So um, yeah, yeah I think it's a really lovely, it's a lovely view, you know? Yes. And it is a beautiful city and it has a beautiful architecture and um, it's quite a creative city and it's a fun city. Like you walk yeah. into any pub and there will be something fun going on in that pub. It's not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of people do get a shock though when they come for the fringe and I've heard of people that are like come to the fringe and then they're like I'm gonna live here this is amazing yeah. and then they come back in October and it's like a completely different place because <laughs> they is nowhere near as busy for the other 11 months of the year so yes. um, yeah but I love how it just comes alive in the fringe which hopefully it will do this year because it hasn't done the last couple of years so no yeah. Okay, well, I hope so as well. And what was the other thing I wanted to say? A creative city, like famously creative, Edinburgh. Yeah, uh -huh. I think, you know, I, you mentioned comedy. That is a big one in Edinburgh. Um, but there's lots of other things. Uh, tech is kind of pretty insane in Edinburgh. The games industry is really taking off here. Um, there's And then theatre. Yeah, there's just lots of like little nooks and crannies of creative, which I think is great. Yes, so well done you for living in Edinburgh. <laughs> thanks okay Don't good <laughs> so we could talk for this whole hour and 15 minutes about edinburgh but let's not let's talk about your specialist subjects so yeah. you were it was gareth healy whose whose chat yeah. hasn't gone up yet he recommended you do this and you just agreed to do it and we're doing it already i only spoke to him like two three weeks ago and i'm sort of filming these about six weeks in advance so that's where we are um so your specialist subject is clearly video production. Um, is video production a marketing thing? I don't know. We'll get to whether it is or not. I think it okay. is. Um, so the five questions you know, how are you qualified to talk to us about video production? Uh, who do you work with? How do you add value in their lives? Uh, what is your recommendation for people who want to do better with video production or get better with video production? Um, number five, what should people read? No, number four, what should people read? Number five, who are you going to throw under the bus who might have one of these conversations with me? Yeah. Two people. We'll keep remembering two people because then one of them will happen. Okay, good. So question number one, how are you qualified to talk to us about video production? Great question. And then I start to think, am I? <laughs> um, 
I mean, I've made a lot of videos um, with my team, so I would say that's probably the first thing. Um, but to, as you said in your intro, I started, I suppose, my career by leaving school a year early and doing an apprenticeship at Creative Scotland. And Creative Scotland is like the equivalent of the Arts Council um, in Scotland. And there was two of us, two apprentices there, and uh, they just chucked us in at the deep end and said, right, here's all the projects that we fund, go and pick one go and film it and that we just did that for a whole year um here's a camera off you go and so we just made and made and made and it was just a brilliant brilliant experience um so you know we made a lot of mistakes there was a lot of content that we made that did not go up there <laughs> did not go on their website but um you know it was just such a, a baptism of fire and such a fun one and such an amazing one to have at the age of 17. you know we couldn't go to the pub with the rest of the office because we we weren't old enough so um you know that was a really good starting place and then um and then I went to uni and I actually studied film for two years um and then I, I started to really get into you know what role do I want to do here and what where do I see myself in this industry um and I quickly realized that I didn't really want to touch a camera I, that there were so many other avenues within this um and I wanted to do the business side of filmmaking which is ultimately is producing um, and so I thought, actually, this course doesn't teach me that. I'm going to jump ship to business. So I jumped ship to business um, in the same university and finished my degree in business. And then I did a master's in business. So um, and then when I, I was always still trying to, like, keep my toe in the water, like I lived with people who were on the film course. And then my dissertation was about the Scottish film industry. So I, you know, I was always kind of trying to bring it back to film one way or another. I wasn't just changing what I was doing um and then just as we finished uni we decided right we're going to set up a business um and because we'd been working part-time um just freelancing the whole way through uni we hadn't uh, neither of us had um had part-time jobs so we'd just been like right we'll film this and we'll film that we'll do this for 100 quid and you know just doing absolutely everything we thought right we've got the skills and experience now to jump ship and uh, do this as a business so six months before I left uni set up the business um, and then yeah here we are five years later <laughs> and in the last five years we've made a lot so so maybe that's what qualifies me <laughs> okay that sounds like it qualifies you the thing is there's a guy I always say this at this point there's a guy I spoke to Tony Morris and he's okay. like because I always say like I said to you before we started speaking like everyone's got an average 20 years experience there's a thousand years of experience here but Tony Morris's thing is he could have done something for 20 years and been really bad at it. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather have five minutes of excellent experience than 20 years of bad experience. Or yeah. he, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't the exact words that he used. But it's that idea. So the thing about video production, I think, is that doesn't everyone want to be in video production? So doesn't just the fact that you are employed in your business or your business is employed and is working with these brands and you are doing this all day, every day, that qualify, because quite a lot of people go qualification, they think certificates, I couldn't care less about certificates. I'm like, do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I think once, you know, there's maybe when you first enter the industry you're like oh god this isn't the place for me but I think every time you make a mistake and then you learn from that and then the next time you do that thing better you feel the imposter syndrome goes away 
quick you know every time you do something it just goes away and so you then you begin to feel qualified in yourself and you know and then I think as clients start to come back to you and say you know you're you're great at what you do we want you back I think that's the biggest compliment a client can give us is we want you back is is great so so yeah yeah for sure I don't think it needs to just be a qualification and to my parents' despair, I have never once shown my degree certificate to anybody. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, maybe that was a waste of time. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so I'm interested in this idea of the film industry because mm-hmm. it's notoriously difficult. Yeah, I don't even want to say difficult. I want to say sketchy. Is it sketchy? Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to work in film, you know, I wanted to go and do big features and that was kind of my dream. And then I came out of uni and we'd started the business, you know, we hadn't really thought really about the future when we started the business. We just were like, oh, this seems like a cool idea. And then um, a couple of people had got in touch just through word of mouth, like, oh, do you want to come and be a runner on this? And, you know, production assistant on this. And they were big shows. And I just started to think, like, do do I want to do that? I remember going to an interview that I thought was for dailies, which is like, you know, you just go for a day shoot here and there as and when they need you. But actually it was an interview for, you know, 16 weeks, um, 14 hour days in the middle of winter, an hour away from my house. Um, And I just was like, I don't know if I want this. Do you know, I don't know if I want this lifestyle because I'm not going to see any of my friends. I was in my early twenties. I'm like, I want to enjoy myself um and so i kind of really went back to the drawing board between that experience and a couple of others i'd applied for some short film funding as well and um well, this was about a year later actually and hadn't got it but got very close to getting it and i was like well why am i doing this like why why do i want to be in this industry and what i came down to was i want to make good stuff and i want people to be affected by that content and then because you do that, you want people to see the content. And actually, I think when you're potentially, not everybody, but if you're making shorts and you're making features, the audience size for that isn't necessarily going to be massive. Whereas when you're making online content, you know, it really opens up the whole the whole world. And so um, that's when I decided, right, actually, you can do this commercially. <laughs> you can see your friends. You can have a good lifestyle. You can earn the money you want to earn um and you you can actually make good stuff that people are going to see and that that's kind of where I just was like right this is this is my career this is what I want you know so yeah so I think that's what I mean by sketchy is notoriously like people really want to be in the the film industry like the feature film Mm -hmm. industry and it's kind of exploitative I think of people and so it will make demands beyond health and safety or beyond reasonable yeah. working hours or those kinds of things. That's what I mean about sketchy. You've just reminded me, I had a friend called Al, and in the early 90s, probably by the way you're talking, you don't really know much about the early 90s, but he was a runner on the Big Breakfast, the Big Breakfast with Denise Van Outen. And mm-hmm. um, I saw my mate about 20 years later. He was housemates with this guy, and he, he okay. was a runner on the Big Breakfast. And then, um, so I saw him like 20 years later and we're chatting, chatting, chatting. And he's like, oh, remind me, I'm, I'm going to tell you about Damon. So it's like, okay, we're chatting, 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 chatting. And then later on, I'm thinking, oh God, about Damon, either he's he's got some horrible disease or he's gay or it's he's, he's like something not necessarily. Anyway, so we get to the end. And I was like, so what about Damon? He's like, oh, he wrote The Inbetweeners. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. 
So that was a bit of a shock because he went off and got himself a BAFTA in the 20 years since I'd seen him. And, <laughs> and me and Al were just still sitting in, in cafes having breakfast <laughs> and, and drinking cups of tea. But it is notoriously difficult, like the industry, industry like that. So it's interesting yeah. that you identified the need for... Is that offensive to you that my hand is overexposed when it's there because it's so much closer to the light? <laughs> no, not to me, but maybe to someone on the team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so um, what did I want to say? So the business, it's interesting that you twigged that you needed to know about business if you were going to be in the film business. Because yeah, I, yeah. I don't think a lot of people twig that, do they? No, and I think maybe because I'm you know, my business partner is really the creative in the business. And so he's very camera focused and edit focused and how are we going to make this look amazing? And so I was always focused on, well, how do you make all of these lives, um, these creative lives easier? You know, how do you make sure they're fed and watered um, so that they can do all this great creative stuff? And then gradually from, you know, the logistics of that, then it built up to, well, then how do we make money? And, you know, all of this kind of stuff, which I, I actually am just in my element in that, you know, I think like it's important to be, um, you know, business minded. And actually, if you want the lifestyle that we have and that we have wanted for a long time of, you know, being able to go out and go on holiday I'm not saying that we you know need to own a mansion or anything but I think yeah I think it's really important to understand what your vision is and then have that business acumen to go with it because um I think we all saw this in the pandemic where if if you've got your basic needs taken away you know whether that be money or you know in some cases food and water how how do you then how do you then have like creative freedom like that's kind of at the it's not like an absolutely essential need, you know? So it's like, for me, supporting those creative people um, and our clients through the money and the business side of things enable, enables them to flourish and do all, all the other fun stuff. Does that make sense? I feel that was a ramble. <laughs> yeah, 100%, that makes sense. Because nothing happens. So we're getting towards maybe the marketing aspect that I'm interested in. But as in any business, nothing happens unless there's money coming in. Do you know what I mean? So unless yeah. you have customers who are paying invoices, you're not yeah. in business. You know, you're really not in business. So that makes perfect sense to me. And then I don't really know what a producer is or what an executive producer is. Um, um, like, yeah, you tell me because I don't know. So in, I suppose, my role and then big films is quite significantly different on big okay. films a producer would bring in the money so they'll they'll they would from the start say for example a producer sees a fiction film a fi sorry a fiction book that they really like the idea of they would maybe go out to the writer of that book and do what's called an option and they would say oh can i have the right to use this book um as as a film then they would go out and find a film writer they would maybe they've maybe write a treatment um the writer would maybe write a treatment for them um and then the producer would go out and get money to make that film i mean that's just very oversimplified of what they would do but um that's kind of their role is to get the film off the ground and then when the film is off the ground uh they're managing everything you know the budget and people um but then they will have a whole production team to help them with that so there's different kind of producers that sit within that um and then they get that all the way 
to the very end where they're selling it to distributors and the producer can often be on that film for you know years and years years longer than anybody else because they've been there since day one and then they're there right to the very end where it's getting sold um you know whether that be through amazon prime or through a dvd but that wouldn't happen now so not <laughs> not <laughs> um i suppose my role is like a, a much smaller version of that so you know we i i go out and get the client usually um with support from the creative team um i'm just kind of constantly building those relationships to say okay well what can we do here and who can we who can we go to and then when the client comes in I would do a pitch with uh, with the creative team, but usually my role in that pitch is like schedule, budget, what does everybody need? Can we meet the budget that the client have said without the creatives going absolutely crazy and spending millions of pounds because the client doesn't have millions of pounds? Um, and then um, and then managing the production, so making sure everything's on time, on schedule, on budget. Um, and actually, because we're quite a small team, I quite like doing all the other things that, you know, in on a big film that a producer would have a big production team, you know, I don't mind doing all the small little things like driving the van. I quite quite enjoy driving the van, to be honest, and, you know, just helping out. And I think that's something that we're quite keen in in our culture, you know, our director um will come and get coffees with me and we'll bring them back for the crew because we don't want there to be that weird hierarchy that there is in a lot of um a lot of big productions i mean we still have to have some level of that's your responsibility that's my responsibility but we don't want it to be like right well there's going to be a queue of who's going to have lunch first by order of importance because that does happen you know? so. yeah and i think this is the thing that people don't appreciate necessarily about video about how much work video actually is and yeah. it's an insane amount of work like i had a client who was a video production when we were a marketing company properly and we were doing marketing. And I think he told me that the industry standard was a thousand pounds per minute produced. Now this was 20 years ago, so I don't know if it's changed since then, but that at that time just sounded me to me like a ridiculously stupidly huge amount of money. But now, cause I do a bit of photography and I want to produce videos like, mm -hmm. but it's too much work. <laughs> it's the problem it's work, yeah and i think once you start to do certain things over and over again they get easier and so we get quicker at it um, yes but it does take a long time and I, I think also like every project is bespoke it's we we don't do packages or anything like that and so for example you take some a day of talking heads that's probably the most simple thing that we would do um of just a bunch of people talking to camera or talking to an interviewee interviewer um off screen and even that is like it really depends on on who the client is uh how we're how we're gonna light this um you know some clients request that there's makeup which the they absolutely should do for those kind of things particularly if someone's not an actor um or is it going to be an actor is it not is it going to be scripted is it not like there's so many variables within that just someone's just talking to camera do you know um so then when you get into bigger things like we need a horse and we need you know a drone and we need all these other things then then it's even bigger so yeah, yeah. and i think it's explaining pe that to people and the value, which I suppose is your next question, 
it's and actually you know then how you price things we've done a lot of um i suppose webinars and training on on how you price things because i think people do that where they go how much and you're like well there's a reason why it's not just that we you know that there's not a huge markup on all of those costs there's a reason why and everything's got to be safe and you know um, everybody's got to be paid properly and all of those things and um yeah it's explaining that value i think is really really important yeah okay so what did you think my next question was going to be is what is the value of video yeah so i think video is somewhere between 25 times and where are we up to 960 times per second more than an image it's like um yeah the last time i looked this up was a couple of years ago pre-pandemic and i think it was was it was around 25 times then so um more effective than an image and i suppose that's because you're engaging with uh who you see on screen and what you see and you're identifying with something that's a bit more real life than than a photo um so i think the value is definitely the engagement but and we can talk about all the stats and the analytics and the business side of that um which you know i'm very much into but um i think the big thing is story you know people connect with other people and the stories that they are told um you know it's such a fundamental human need to connect with others and storytelling and so i think if we can do that for a brand then that's when it becomes really special actually because then you've got a brand that's telling a story um, and they're engaging with their audience and then their audience then will choose to engage with them back. And whether that means that they choose to buy something or interact in another way, that's kind of then up to the brand. Um, but I think the storytelling is the most important part of it. Yeah. I've got a theory that I think would bring about peace in the Middle East. Are you interested? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you watch game shows, if anyone watches game shows anymore, but they do all the music and the lights and all this stuff. And then... I'm always thinking I don't really care about these people, but then they talk, they introduce them for like a minute. Oh, like, where are you from? Have you got kids? What do you do for a living? And then you really care about those people in already. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. so I think they should have, like, with all the different factions from the Middle East, they should have game shows with all these different factions on them, and then people will start caring about each other more. That's my, that's my thing. Yep. So <laughs> I've always really been really excited about video from a marketing sense. Mm-hmm. And what I did is in about 2006 is I started shooting video testimonials with my customers mm-hmm. and it was on my phone and it was 2006. So you can imagine like the specs on the phone and it was hugely beneficial because I mean, it helped me apart from anything else because I had like five questions. I've only ever got five questions. Um, <laughs> But they would always, you know, look, why did you decide to use us was like always a really powerful question. And it was like the Daz adverts, apart from these people weren't being paid to say this. And I didn't know what they were <laughs> going to say. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. it's amazing. The issue with that is that I always used to get in trouble with video production companies because so they'd say the video production wasn't good. Of course it wasn't. It was on my phone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm... No, I don't need to be. I I really get the value of video. Um, 
And I think you're right. It's about communicating the stories and it's about communicating something because I'd say yeah. I'm, I do actually do photography. Mm-hmm. And then what they say is your photo has to tell a story. And that's just BS because a photo can't tell a story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. You think about yeah. the most archetypal photos in history. Okay. Maybe 0.0000001% of a single frame will tell an entire story. Yeah. If you if you want to tell a story, you need frames. You need, you know, then there, yeah. there needs to be tra- tra- trajectory. There needs to be movement. There needs to I be. Think for photography, you can definitely create a feeling. Yes. But whether you can create a full story, I agree with you. Um, but I think we um we decided a while ago that we would take disposable cameras on shoots with us and just give them to a couple of the crew. Just take a load of snaps, you know, and some of the funniest photos we have got are from just these little disposable cameras and they kind of just create a, a nice, you know, it's not just like a phone shot that you can look at. Like you've had to wait two weeks to get that back. And I, I think, oh, that's not a story, but it's, it's like a feeling. It's a feeling of how much fun we had, you know, on a yes. job. Um, and there's something about waiting to get it back, which you obviously have to do with video as well, usually. Um, yes. You know, kind of like you have to wait for an edit to materialize before you see all the work come together. Um, but yeah, it ca- I don't think it can tell a full story. But if you were then to go and look at someone's Instagram and it's all really consistent, is that a story? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that, but, <laughs> but this is what I'm saying is about video being, so I'm not even saying better. Like video yeah. starts at somewhere around 25 frames per second. So that's yeah. 25 photos. For every second and it goes up to like lord knows thousands of frames per second yeah. mm-hmm. so that's where you get a story and i think if it's over time like mm-hmm. then if it's a series of photos then a series of photos can start to tell a story i think but really yeah. if you want a story you need video yeah and it's not easy to do so the, i want to get back to this production values thing yeah because it seems to me, I don't know, but it seems to me that the art, like the creativity that goes into video mm-hmm. is is creating those situations entirely. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> mine was, I'd literally be, say something nice about my company. You know, here's five questions, answer these questions. And so it was completely natural and it was completely um, fine but typically what's going on in a produced video is it's not natural at all and then the the people have to the creativity is is in making it seem natural and where yeah. people fail is where they fail to make it seem natural yeah yeah for sure um i think firstly on your first point about you doing stuff on your phone i think there's such a space for that you know i, I think we almost fell into this trap or maybe did a few times where um you know you'd see a client that maybe we've worked with doing something on their phone and we're like what are they doing why are they not getting us to come and do it you know we could do a better job than that like well why wouldn't they do it on their phone they've got one they need to get a message out quickly let them do that you know why would they spend however much money on getting us to come and do it let them save a bit of that money and come and get us to do something bigger that needs the big production value you know and i think when you start to look at marketing strategy or video strategy it's like actually 
if you just I mean this is something we used to say to small businesses a lot um, it's like if you just get one video done and you just plonk it on Instagram or Facebook or wherever that's not going to engage people having lots of small bits of content and then one beautiful bit of content or you know with cut downs and we do a lot of cut downs and that kind of thing as well that's going to make that one bigger bit perform better because there's lots of little bits and you've kept that personality and that brand and that story going um throughout you're not just saying here's one bit of content and then going do you know what i mean i know 100 percent what you mean and the thing is what's the thing about that it's like the platforms we haven't spoken about platforms i don't know where you're putting your videos but platforms want content so the more yeah. regularly you are providing them with content, the more they're going to reward yeah. you with, with, yeah. with views. So, you know, that makes absolute sense. And I think um, the thing about them shooting something with their phone is that I say this to people. Like I teach digital marketing is what I do. And what I tell people, because I'm a revolutionary communist and a Marxist, is like you now have the means of production. You already have the phone, buy a microphone for 30 quid and buy a tripod for 20 quid and you are yeah. producing 4K video. Do you know what I mean? And that, in 2006, when I started with whatever my camera was on, on that phone, you know, a revolution has happened in the technology. But if they produce the video and they get the kick out of having done the video and then they share the video and they get some mm -hmm. positive feedback, then that is teaching people the value of video i think so yeah. i'm with you 100 percent. i think people should be producing video all the time um mm -hmm. and this is what people say isn't it and this is and kind of sorry yeah. that's where then a space also for um like one of our clients we do usually about a campaign a year for them now um one big campaign we did like a big footage bank for them last year and that means that they can constantly reuse the content that we created in a big in one style for them but then they also have i think another couple of people that will just go out and grab vox pops for them and we wouldn't do that because it's not really in our wheelhouse anymore but they, they're constantly creating and they've, they've found a really good way of having a footage bank but also uh, you know um, a, a cheaper way of getting constant content um in in the you know vox pop kind of sphere and i think that works really really well and we wouldn't not work with them on that basis you know it's like oh well they're working with someone else it's like no no let yeah. let someone be good at one part and someone else be good in another part because we probably wouldn't be that good at Vox Pops anymore because <laughs> we we have a big camera and we would light it and that's not what they want. They want that they want it raw and ready and that's that's yes, okay. Yes, yes. And more organic or authentic or Yeah. 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 See I um, Yeah. I was just gonna say I didn't answer your question a couple of questions ago, so I was gonna say What was the question? can't remember <laughs> well then lord help us we, we can't go back i don't know which question it was that you didn't answer um the thing is i think about video is video is the best example of st just starting just do it do you know what i mean yeah like yeah, the the, the value to me of video is that this is by far and away the easiest way to produce content like I'm not talking about beautifully produced, but I'm just talking about producing content. So if you yeah. put a camera in somebody's face and you start asking them questions, they will want to give you really good answers. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. will want to 
you know, so they will have that impetus. And if you are, and it's really not difficult, you can go to Google and Google, like they do this now on the TV shows, don't they? Like Google's most asked questions and stuff like that. Yeah. So you can see the questions that people want answers to. You can put a camera in front of somebody and you can start producing content. Um, and then as a marketer, I'm interested to see that go into text or into audio or to go, so it can go everywhere. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that's the thing. And I think the thing about creativity also is that you just have to start. So I'll tell you yeah. where my testimonials ended up. Well, firstly, my wife, when there were 30 or 40 or 50 of these things on my website, said that I looked desperate, so I had to stop doing it. That's part <laughs> of the reason we're not married anymore. But where this ended up was one day I got a call from a mate of mine who was running an exhibition. And he's like, look, I've got a stand if you want it for tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. you know, surprisingly, I'm busy tomorrow. <laughs> but, you know, and he's like, well, just do something with this stand because, you know, what can you do? So we literally went and we put a computer there with a screen and a mm -hmm. vase for people to put um, their business cards in. And we set up these testimonials on a loop on the video screen. And it was literally, okay. the question was, guess how many times our customers use the word effective when they're talking about the effective marketing company. And at okay. this point, it was hours. Like each one was three minutes long, but it was, it was like the loop was probably, it might have been like an hour and 40 minutes. So there were definitely like 40 or 50 of these. So yeah. anyway, we just left it. I couldn't be there. I went at the back at the end of the day. The vase is overflowing and yeah. there's business cards like all over the table and falling onto the floor. And the <laughs> other guys were breaking up and they were like, it was insane how many people were on your stand all day trying to guess how many, what, what the number might be. And we weren't even there to see it. So, but then what we had to do is we had to chop all of the effectives out of this video so it'd be uh -huh. like, oh, effective marketing's certainly been effective for us. And like, we've never worked with anyone as effective as the effective. Do you know what I mean? And it was just brilliant, brilliant content. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the point of that? The point is that video is the easiest way, I think, to be producing content and the most useful way. Because once you've got the video, then you can pull out the text and you can pull out the audio and you can pull yeah. out the images if that's what you want to do, you know? So that's I think why I think... About like... <sighs> So everybody else has stood at that stand, probably hovering, like what, not your stand, like everybody else who was at the event who had a stand would have been like watching people walk past being like, are they going to come over? Are they going to come over? Okay, right. I'm going to, here's the sale. Here's the sale that I'm going to give you. Whereas I think one thing that video can do, which you clearly did there, is like, you're just pulling people in, you yes. know, you're, you're not like forcing something down their throat. You're just saying, bam here it is um yes and so i think online there's an equivalent of that if if you start pu pushing like a really hard sale um obviously you can push a hard sale within video but i think if you do video properly and uh, you know you build a brand and you build a story with it then you actually will pull people into that rather than um you know just being like hey do you want my product <laughs> you know? yes and a hundred percent and there's a guy who I've interviewed twice. He's the only person I've interviewed twice, Barnaby Winter. He's the guy behind like all the household UK household names, like all the big brands. And what he'll mm -hmm. tell you is they weren't big brands until he worked with them. And I believe him 100%. And he's like, basically, if you are out looking for customers, you're completely wasting your time. You need to be positioning yourself and attracting those customers because 
in 2022, who doesn't know what they want to buy? Do you know what I mean? So you've got to be working ahead of time to be influencing that decision that they, that they know what they want to buy. Um, yeah, video is hugely, hugely powerful. And I don't know if everybody knows that yet. Yeah. Well, actually, we about a year, year and a half ago now decided that we would, we wanted to just concentrate on one audience because previous, when we first started, we had a lot of experience filming events. And so it felt very natural that we set up the business and we'd, we'd film a lot of events. Um, and we kind of had wanted to move out of that for quite a long time because actually what we felt was when we did an event, you'd, you'd go, you do the event, it's really exciting. And then this video would go up two weeks later and then it was kind of just done, you know, until the following year, you didn't really get to have a push on, you know, it wasn't really marketing actually, you know, you didn't get to, if you did it the following year, then you maybe got to say, right, we're going to make this, this video from last year's footage to influence ticket sales. But beyond that, you didn't really get that much of an influence. And so we were like, we want to be doing much more proactive branded content where we get to, you know, do do a product launch before a product comes out, for example. Um, and so we really racked our brains around. I mean, also there was then COVID, which mean, meant that all of our event work was zero. <laughs> so that forced us into this situation. Um, but a good, uh, really good that it did. Um, and we said, well, who who needs video content that's kind of already sold on it? Because I think now, compared to even two years ago, we're in a really different space. Um, I think two years ago, brands were a bit unsure about it and like, okay, well, it's a nice to have. Um, whereas we were like, who's already sold on video being a good idea? And we decided that it would be other creative agencies. So creative agencies that do the whole thing, you know, the full service agencies that do the branding, they do the photos, they do video, blah, 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 but they don't have video in house. Um, and so we were like, we can be that partner for those people. And so we were like, let's concentrate on those agencies. Um, and we picked a list of about uh, 20 in Edinburgh that we wanted to to really concentrate on. And that has just meant the business has flown in that time. It's insane to say we're just focusing on one audience, um, but they also get that value. You know, they understand the value of video. You're not trying to persuade them that they need this. Um, and then the things that you are talking to them about are like, well, how do we help you with production? You know, you've got this cool idea, but how do we make that come to life? You know, we've got a really interesting one at the moment that I can't talk about, but um, which I'll send you for the time that this comes out because we'll have made it by then. Um, but, you know, like, how do we make this concept actually up on its feet? And so that's, in terms of our own marketing, that's been a really interesting thing to do. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because that is what I'm interested in also is because everybody wants to be a film production company or a video production company. Um, mm -hmm. It's a little bit like web design. You know, everybody knows a web developer, you know, like everyone probably has a nephew who's a web developer, you know, so it's not like everyone has a decent camera these days, you know, you don't yeah. have to spend huge amounts of money to be getting really decent footage okay so that's maybe what's gone on is there's a there's a been a real a real what's the words a real there's been a distri huge distribution of knowledge around video production yeah and, and photography and all of these things and it's because of youtube and yeah for sure yeah and so there's that other aspect where people are 
not wanting to be video production or being video production companies, but producing video for themselves because YouTube will pay them. You know, so yeah. I suppose it's interesting. I want to say there's been like, it's not like a democratization. There's been a democratization of the knowledge. You know, there's been a real, or certainly the knowledge has become much more accessible. The question I want to ask is, uh, it's notoriously difficult then to, to market creative businesses anyway. And I would argue, there's a fly. I would argue, he's gone. Um, he didn't die either. Um, so I would argue that it's so hugely, hugely competitive and everyone wants to do it. And like in terms of, I think the issue with marketing, I'm getting to the question, I promise you. I think the <laughs> issue with marketing a creative agency, any kind of creative, mm -hmm. is you don't really have that value proposition. Mm -hmm. Like the value proposition might like me, I'm going to, I'm going to make your business by more profitable by reducing your cost of customer acquisition, blah, 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 blah. That's my mm -hmm. value proposition. Your mm -hmm. value proposition or your offering is simply, you're going to like what we produce much more than, than <laughs> yeah. those others. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, which, yeah, we've spent quite a long time working on it and I think it's much more about, okay, it's funny because it is video or service or is it a product because you receive something you know what it is a digital product at the end of the day but actually for us it's much more about a service like these people are going to spend a lot of time with us <laughs> you know you need to get on with us and you need to kind of see the same vision in the, for the content that we have and i think that's where it works the most and that's what we would say our value proposition is about is about bringing their sorry it's a bit corny but like bringing their idea to life and um and working alongside them and so sometimes that bringing their idea to life means that we've or i've got to go and you know do a massive risk assessment because their idea is really crazy in terms of the health and safety you know and so that's or you know a creative agency that perhaps um we've only done one of these but a creative agency that has a video person one video person in house that they, as you say, can go and fil film up themselves, but they need to source the locations and the people and the actors. And so we use all of our partners that we know um, and our suppliers to make that come to life. And so I think that's that's the value for us. And, and actually we have a couple of clients at the moment that aren't with creative agencies, they're with other creative companies, um, which is which is amazing. And they're similar, you know, they've just got a vision and then we say, right, how do we bring this to life? And that that's kind of, that I suppose is how our value proposition comes together, I would say. <laughs> yeah, so I think, like, no disrespect at all, yeah. but actually a lot of this is quite boring, sensible stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah. Making sure the right people are in the right place with the right kit and the right, yeah. do you know what I mean? So it's, so and I think so many people overlook those things. And one big thing that we are really big on is, I mean, it's just such a simple thing, but it's paying freelancers on time because so many people don't do that. You know, we're like, we do this within, you know, we have cutoff dates and we're transparent about when there's going to be a pay run because some, you know, I've been, I've done jobs when I was a student as a runner that's waiting like six months to get paid 120 quid, you know? Yes, yes. And it's like, we don't want to do that. And then, and then secondary to treating people correctly and making sure people are having fun on set and those kind of things is then 
making sure we treat the planet correctly too and you know film production can have a huge impact on the planet particularly in these massive productions you know you've got huge amounts of travel you've got huge amounts of just people eating and you know wasting and then you've got like energy and so it it actually is really really simple but it's so many people don't do those things and we just we want to create a culture that is enjoyable for everybody including us you know it has to start with us at the end of the day yeah and for the client i think also it needs to be fun for the client Mm -hmm. yeah it does because you know like a while ago one of our camera assistants was late because he'd left a little bit late and then got stuck in the the bus lane had opened and was really yeah was overly late and then i'm just like just don't worry about it like okay ideally don't be late but you know it happens like you're not about to save a life we're we're just making content at the end of the day like don't feel scared and to a point where you're going to drive you know irrationally to get to set like you'll get here when you get here but i think there's not that attitude across the industry you know it's like oh my god we need to be here now it's like well go manage (laughs) you know it is awful that industry like I mean it is awful like it's awful (laughs) but I'm thinking about like from the very top like when you see these people and they have to do like the actors have to go out and do these promo tours and talk about how like all the quirky fun things that happen and how they all have such a great relationship and all this bs do you know what I mean so there has to be story about the story but then I've been to see like tv shows being um produced mm-hmm. i went to see the last leg but i imagine this happens with all of them and it was like such a self-congratulatory kind of aren't we great like look at yeah. us producing the magic i mean m- maybe other people do think that they are really great and really enjoy that aspect of it but i don't <laughs> you know <laughs> i i i, I want to watch something beautiful but I can't imagine like Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef and um, and Sergio Leone and all sitting around going, oh, wasn't it funny when we shot that scene and he said something? <laughs> you know I mean, it's like they wouldn't have done it. So there's, there's, I think what I'm objecting to is like the whole affectation around it. But I think that kind of permeates because you've got so many creatives and I don't know, maybe that just permeates it. Maybe it's not useful yeah, to talk yeah. about that now. But I think I think just being down to earth, you know, it's quite funny now we're thinking about the vision for the company, and I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want to be like twenty people. I don't want, I, like, okay, on a set we might be twenty, but I don't want to be employing twenty because I think that's when it can become like, oh God, we've got to bring this money in, and we've got to do this, yes. and we've got to do that. You know, let's um, let's just try and keep it as organic as we can, so that. So that we can have that space to have fun. I think, you know, there was a place where we were a couple of years ago where we we didn't have enough people in order to have fun whilst we were making stuff because there was two of us doing about seven people's jobs. And that equally wasn't as fun. You know, um, but I don't I don't want to become this massive, massive video agency um that just makes stuff for the sake of making because we've got overheads to pay, you know. Yeah, and this has become a recurring theme in these conversations, which is I don't know why, but there is something about starting a business and and being a business owner where it has to be about continuous growth. You know, yeah. more customers, more staff, more money, more offices, more desks, more computers, more whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know how 
true this is, but I like your approach where you're like, okay, if if this is what you're saying is, you know, let's just get this to a comfortable place, you know? And Yeah, yeah. And I think what we want to do is like we want to have we want to have more fun, we want to treat people right, we you know, we want to be paid well, you know, and and also then the big goal then is how do we be more creatively ambitious? That's actually the constant vision of like let's be more ambitious but it doesn't mean to say that i think if you were to grow in numbers and people and money and offices then that would actually take that creative ambition away you know i think um, it would because then what you do what all what every business does is it creates a monster that needs feeding yeah and, yeah, yeah. and then it's all about how do we feed this monster and it's not yeah. I mean, maybe yours is the best example of it where feeding the monster is damaging to the business because like you say, you're going to end up producing stuff you don't want to produce and then you're going to have to produce more stuff you don't want to produce. To, do you know what I mean? That, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly it. Having mouths to feed isn't a really good idea. Okay. Sorry as well. Then there's other people that we work with, like say like makeup artists, uh, that would absolutely not make sense for us to employ a full-time makeup artist because we don't need them all the time. But yes really enjoy working with them and they're great at their job and we need them so having that flexibility of having two or three makeup artists that we we get on really really well with and they're just great at their jobs um but then they can go and do other stuff and we can yes. do other stuff it just it, that makes so much more sense rather than saying oh good okay we're gonna have this makeup artist full time oh but three days a week you're not doing anything so then we're gonna try and shoehorn makeup into a shoot that doesn't need makeup <laughs> why would you yeah, do that it doesn't make sense so this is probably the best instance of like the gig economy, isn't it? Where actually, yeah. yeah. And I think also then for our clients, you know, when our clients are creative agencies, it doesn't make, for many of them anyway, it doesn't make sense for them to have an in-house video team. You know, no. they they might have an in-house video person um, and there's many things that that person could go out and film on their own. But when it comes to the bigger stuff, it really doesn't make sense for them to have that in-house um and so that's where we can partner and then also that means that they then get they do exactly what we do they they get the video content for the the exciting projects they don't just try and make a video project a video project sorry a not video project a video project yes yes you know what i mean yes when it doesn't need to be because they have mouths to feed and hands to keep busy that's that becomes the issue okay cool I really like the sound of it. It sounds, I would love to have been a video production company. I'm not serious enough is the truth and I'm not sensible enough. That's probably it because <laughs> I would shoot for six weeks and then they'd never see me again. <laughs> so that is that is also part of the proposition, isn't it? Is actually delivering something because yeah, it's yeah. difficult to deliver something. And I think there are probably a lot of agencies whose delivery isn't quite this is the reason, like, also I'd struggle to be a video production company because my vision when I start is always stupid. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what I start. If I start a presentation, if I start decorating the house, or if I start whatever I start doing, I start off with this monolithic, epic vision of it has to be like that. And I start with all earnestness. And then at some point, I'll just realize the complete futility. I'm not going to achieve anything like I was hoping to achieve. And then I will just bail. Um, so <laughs> but loads is, of people do that. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure. And there's nothing, there is something wrong with that. It's like you're living in a house that hasn't, is only 10% decorated. <laughs> you know what I mean? That 10% might be fabulous, but it's not. It's just sustainable. And then you're still claiming over all this DIY. Yeah, yeah. And then always when people come to visit, you're having to entertain them in the upstairs loo because that's the only place that's decent. <laughs> Good. We took that analogy as far as it could go. <laughs> I'm interested in like, because this whole thing has become so much more available with the advent of YouTube and Vimeo and all those other video channels and, you know, the kit and the proliferation of people talking about how you do this and people having the freedom to do it. It just seems to me that there has been a complete explosion in this. Mm -hmm. If you look at where it was 25 years ago, you had to be the ITV. You had to be ITV or BBC to have an outdoor, what do they call them? A roving camera crew or something. Yeah, yeah, like a, Whereas I now, I am a roving camera, a camera crew. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, and everybody is. So what's your feeling about that? Did you ever think we should just be Casey Neistat and we should just produce like daily vlogs or be Peter <laughs> McKinnon and produce something beautiful every three weeks? Or I don't know. Are those interesting yeah no we essentially talk about like testimonials and stuff we, a lot of people in the early days told us like yeah you should do vlogs and you should you should do testimonials and we we're like no we want what the vision which i feel like we're just reaching this point it was for people to be able to come to us because let the work speak for itself that was our big big thing um and our our website which just launched a few weeks ago um finally it felt like this is a website that allows that you know it's quite quirky in the way it handles video and and these kind of things it's not saying like this is what we're really good at and you should come to us it's not like too salesy it's like you know we need to tell the story about ourselves um and then we can do the same for you and tell these these slightly more subtle stories like a, a little bit more humble than that obviously we've got to talk about ourselves but um yeah not not too not too salesy so yeah we always thought the slightly more slow and steady approach and do it properly rather than cutting corners that was always the kind of content that we wanted to make um yes. saying that we do go through very very busy periods um but we now can say quite confidently to clients like if you want to do this, you should do it in two days rather than one. You can do it in one, but it's not going to be nearly as good as if you do it in two. And and nine times out of ten, clients absolutely respect that. You know, you, yeah. it's not it's not that we're trying to make more money out of them by saying that. It's just saying like you don't want to spend one day of budget and then not use it. You know. Yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that, that goes back to which is where I want to go next anyway. But it goes back to that idea of how you market yourselves and it, where I've advised creatives, creative companies, it's like, just get your stuff in front of people who use stuff like that. I mean, that's almost yeah. the best that you can do because yeah. you don't want to be saying, you definitely don't want to be saying how great you are because, you know, as a video production company, that's also really vomit inducing. It's like, <laughs> It's like there's too many lovies already on our screens talking about how yeah. great they are. Do you know what I mean? We don't need more yeah. of those. Um, but yeah, getting your work out into the world, that's the biggest thing. You know, there's there's one or two projects last year that were like, mm, this isn't, it's not exactly the vision we had for it. But 
you know, in times gone by, we maybe wouldn't have put it out at all. We were like, no, yeah. it's still a good piece of work. And people really, some people really like it. It's maybe not the piece of content that we really wanted to watch, but it's really important that people still see that because I yes. think it also just shows that you're, what you're willing to try and that you're busy and that you're you're testing things and you know it doesn't need to be perfect all the time uh, gareth who introduced us once said to me it should be pro prolific over perfect and i, I have held that <laughs> like yeah. you know when, when you're overthinking something and you're like this needs to be perfect i'm like no it just needs to go out and then and then after that you can change it because it you'll do different versions of it you know but this yes maybe that's a bit different with client work but do you know like for example we ran a series of events about pricing content um for agencies and the first one i would not want to watch that back i personally felt it was horrendous it probably wasn't as horrendous as i thought it was um but it, it was done you know and then and then we've done like we've done three more pricing ones but then we added other other topics in there and now i think since sort of november time we've done eight seven or eight um and and we've got work from them but if we hadn't just started yes then you know and just got it out because i could have sat there for weeks being like this needs to be perfect um and it was never going to be perfect the first one but we've got it much better you know yeah, so Peter McKinnon does this as well, doesn't he? He says done is better than perfect. And I think that is because actually perfect doesn't exist. Do you know what I mean? No. Or perfect yeah. doesn't see the light of day is certainly the truth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You will get hit by a bus before you produce something that's actually perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the question I was actually asking is about whether you looked at that as a model. If you thought we could just produce our own content for uh, YouTube, get paid by YouTube, do merch or like that whole business but that's not something that you thought about no i mean we did it do you know maybe at one point i was maybe like this could be money <laughs> do yeah. you know? um, but very quickly my business partner ethan would have been like absolutely not do you know and uh, it's like trusting uh, his creative judgment i think is really really yes. important no we never properly entertained that i think other things that we did entertain were like retainer models which Ethan dug his heels in a bit about that. And uh, actually, I think we found a really nice, happy medium now because I didn't want to do just one off projects um, because they take a huge amount of work to get them. Um, yeah. And then and then it's one off and then you, there you go again. Um, but he didn't want to do retainers because, say, for example, you have a certain number of hours um, with us with a client. Um, then you end up doing that thing that we just spoke about where you're just creating content because you've got a certain number of hours to fill Filler. um yeah so now what we do is we do like slightly longer term projects where we say right we're going to make a series of for example at the moment six videos um this is for uh part this is for basically an agency that supports other businesses um and so we are making different business case studies for them and we'll do that over the space of a few months um and so that's that's really really exciting to then say okay we've got six s smaller projects over the space of the next four months we know exactly we can we can put them in and we can put that in a timeline um so it, it there's a purpose and there's a reason why but there, it's not it's not retainer but also it gives me a bit of peace of mind on the money and so then yeah. it's good <laughs> there's some forecastable income which is really good i think yeah. Yeah. okay good do you want the good news 
Yeah. <laughs> I think you are eminently qualified to talk to us about video production. <laughs> so now we can go to question number two. So question oh number two is, it's all right. These, you've probably, you've given us kind of <laughs> lots of these answers already. Um, but who do you work with? How do you add value to their lives? So I, I suppose the question is kind of, we've got a sense of the kinds of clients you work with. The real, yeah, so this is interesting to me is what is the value that they need? Do you know what I mean? What is it that you do that they can't do for themselves? Yeah, I suppose first and foremost, it's creative agencies um, or other creative businesses um, that need that need content. They have a vision for the content, but they don't have the skills, the knowledge, the partners to make that come to life, I would say. Okay, they need content for themselves or they need content for their clients? They need content for their clients. Okay, 100%. Good. Most of the time. So like creative agencies need content for their clients. There's another company we're working with at the moment that the content is for them, but it's ultimately for their, their marketing team who the marketing team are not wildly dissimilar to a creative agency, if you look at it like that. And then it's for their, you know, for the whole business, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's they're they're achieving a different vision. It's not just for them and for their, their stuff. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because that's just very good marketing you know just to niche down and to target people who know that they value this stuff already and they will need to have it done so that's just very very sensible marketing I would say for years people have told us like i can't emphasize this enough pick one audience and i've always had for ages three you know like we had events over here we had festivals over here we had maybe market managers over here and then we did a little bit with creative agencies over here and it was like this do you know um and then actually to be completely honest we had an argument about a piece of content that should or our own content that should go out i said oh well, we should be doing blogs about the behind the scenes process and you know we should be doing you know like this is how we made this and blah 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 my business partner was like no because creatives get that already and then we just had this like light bulb moment where we were like well we're talking about two different audiences <laughs> do you okay. know and we were like oh, the whole reason for this argument and every other argument we've ever had about this kind of stuff is we're we're talking about different audiences let's pick one you know yes so. beautiful i love that because you do get to pick one yeah you know, and, and I, then hardest thing you can do actually you know is pick one because you, you want the logic in your businessy brain goes well why would i exclude all those other people um by picking one i need to if i'm going to make more money i'm going to have lots of them and it's the complete opposite to that and so we picked one but we still work directly to client what we have found at the direct to, directly to client people that we work with are really creative direct to client people <laughs> yeah. so they they're only like a little hair away from the creative agencies but they still have the same vision as creative agencies they still have the same you know desire to make something good they still want to invest in good content they have all the same like wants and needs they just are in a slightly different job role but by just focusing on one audience made makes every decision easier and it it doesn't mean that you never have to work for anybody else it just means that more of that one type of company or person will come to you, I would say. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. 
And there's a quote, I think it's Philip, Philip Kotler says, only stupid businesses try to sell to everyone. Yeah. You know, and it's so this thing about niching, to be honest, I've never done, I, I've never, <laughs> done, I've never done it. But um, this thing about, you know, having a niche and, and especially in your business, because then, like you say, you get more and more expert at doing this very particular thing. You know, yeah. And then so, what you find is those people you you will talk to people that are like you right so then yeah. you'll you'll say to people this is who who you need to talk to for that thing yes. you know like you know we think about it in different ways like like for example we're getting our windows redone like we will oh look at you we, getting your windows redone <laughs> i'm just looking at them um, but like do you know like like in the pub we'll say to our friends well these guys were a bit cheaper than those guys and actually it's our first time ever doing any home improvement kind of stuff properly so these are the these are the first people we would go to and we're saying that to a group of people that are similar to ourselves we're yeah. not going to say someone who's getting their whole house massive house of windows redone you know we're talking to similar people and your everybody's customer will do that they will they'll have their own little group of people that have all the same needs as them you know so yeah. because birds of a feather flock together that's what goes on so <laughs> yeah so yeah it uh, it makes perfect sense but people don't do it and you're right it is exactly the opposite to what people think because is, what people yeah. are thinking especially if they want to be creatives like video production companies they're like, mm -hmm. please, God, somebody in the world want to use me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that is like, that is the worst position to be in if you're marketing, because now you've got to market to the entire world. Yeah. Whereas if you've yeah. niched, you can say, okay, and, and your message now is really very simple. It's like, we actually produce this stuff for these people who are really like you, you know? I so, know that, that's actually really one of the easiest parts is when you're trying to appeal to a creative director, We've got a creative director. Yes. <laughs> what would you want? These people work in very similar ways. Okay. Yep. You know, how do we hire freelancers? That's very similar to how a creative agency would hire us, you know? It's yes. not it's not like if, if a if a freelancer was like sending me a really salesy email, it would be the last thing I would want to do is pick up the phone to them. But if someone's like, Hey, here's my work, would love to connect with you. We want to get a coffee sometime give us a shout I, yeah, I totally yeah, yeah. do you know so yes yeah, yeah. um yes yeah and and i think that's that's it in terms of marketing your creative business just get your stuff in front of people who use your stuff and and yeah. if they like it then they'll use you maybe i think that's the thing yeah I think it takes a lot of chat as well, you know, like there was one point where we decided, okay, this is the audience we're going to focus on. And, and actually at the same time, we were like, we're going to up our minimum spend. And uh, and for probably, I don't know, six months, it felt like, but it might have been shorter. Um, we were getting a lot of the old kind of briefs that we were getting. And we were saying no to them and being like, nope, we, we don't do a project under this amount anymore. So therefore we can't do that. And we were honest with people and we kept saying it, we kept saying it. And then it got to a point where I was like, oh God, this is maybe not the right choice. Like we shouldn't have done this. Like uh, maybe nobody's going to come to us ever again because we've said no to all this work. And now we're not going to get any of the work we do want. But it took a lot of speaking to people and a lot of... Um, getting that message over of this is now what we do and how we do it 
and then one day it literally just took off like we got one or two of them and then it just started to go but it was because we had to communicate that and it took several months of communicating that before that that worked yeah. you know and i think it does it's like the pressure has to build you know what i mean and then yeah. it will burst it does feel like that yeah. yeah there's something about like these these people who believe that the universe will provide or what was that book a few years ago that everyone was like i don't think it's quite like that you have to kind of put yourself in the situation where something can happen for you like that i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's just not the universe what was it the secret that's the book that i'm thinking of i don't know why I'm thinking oh yeah that. yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's not how it works Okay, cool. So what is your recommendation then for people who want to either get better at video production or want to get more out of their video production? Well, I suppose I think it's kind of, there's two sides to that. I think if you're a business and you just want to do it, you know, you want to do more video, I think the easiest place is just to start, as you say, because every time you make something, you will learn from it and you'll you'll make a mistake and you might not want the content to go out and that's okay i i would encourage you to put the content out either way because you'll learn what works and what doesn't um i think if you're at the stage where you're looking at commissioning a video production company which is obviously very different um, i would go out and talk to them i think people think oh like these guys are gonna you know try and push a, a quote on me or something and they're going to want to make video, video content right away like i would say most people understand that these things take a while to get these decisions and actually i can't speak for everybody but we just want to educate people on how it works because then if you know if we do that then even if you don't go to us then you'll you're going to get there's going to be more demand for it at the end of the day so i would yes. say go and to people um just literally you know ask for a few recommendations but then reach out to people and just say can we have a chat because actually those are the most enjoyable things to do is to understand the way someone works without without the cost the without a project there i think um, yes. i think if you, if you wait until you've got a project then you've almost missed a step you missed a bit of that trust out do you know what i mean um, like the making friends I, bit yeah, making friends a bit. And that's yeah. why, yeah, it's half the reason to be in a creative business, isn't it? <laughs> so. I think so. I really think so. I hope so. Okay, good. Cool. We've been talking now for an hour and 14 minutes and five seconds <laughs> and whatever that is, 100 frames. Um, so what is your recommendation? Are you a reader, firstly? I should ask that question because I, I'm aware that... I, I dip in and out of phases of reading. I like and I'm not in one at the moment to be honest but like I'll go through phases of being like I'll just read loads and I can whiz through a book or you know listen to stuff as well and then and then I go and watch some rubbish telly for 10 seasons and don't pick up a book (laughs) so so is there is there a book or is there a piece of content you think that's been really important or interesting or useful for you in terms of where you are as a business in terms of where you are as creatives interesting i think there's like three things i can think of off the top of my head so i've got i'm a big fan of mary portis who you who you must know off the telly who does like um you know she would go into a a, a business that's failing and revitalize it um she did a lot of tv back in the day no no not know her you no i do know up. of her i don't think i don't know if i've ever watched it she's like the okay. um 
She's like the who's the chef, the rude chef. She's like the what's his name, Gordon. Oh, Gordon Ramsay, yeah, Gordon Ramsay of the business world. Is she? Is it like that sort of thing? More humane, I would say. <laughs> okay. Um, but she has recently, because she um, was creative director at Harvey Nicks for years and years and years, she's recently written a lot about um, work culture. Um, she did a book called Work Like a Woman, which she also has a podcast and says it could be called uh, work like a human being because it's much more about being kind to people at work um, and those kind of things. But more recently she did one called, I think rebuild, um, which was about making sure people and the planet are, are treated fairly in a business. And so uh, taking stuff around work culture, because she worked in a, you know, a very lucrative, but creative business. Um, and you know got to the top by the time she was 32 or something um but actually where was the enjoyment in that and at what cost to the planet and to to employees and and that kind of thing so not necessarily for creatives but just really really interesting stuff i think um and then i'm sure people have mentioned win without pitching before which is blair ends um i have read read it but didn't enjoy the book as much as the podcast um player ends and he's got another guy on his podcast um that and the podcast is called two bobs um and they take it's main it's aimed at kind of design agencies but i think anybody who works on project work uh could really uh you know just get that and just really enjoy that because they're like 20 25 minute long podcasts and they just talk about really really niche issues like sometimes they're like you know how to come up with um you know creative ideas with for a certain type of brand or it might be how to get through procurement or how to deal with people (laughs) that we're working for so really really nice stuff and then the other one which i feel like i really want to plug is um Gareth, who introduced us, he wrote a book uh, called... He already plugged his book. Stand Out or Die. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that was a great... And I think it's interesting when you read a book and then either know a person or listen to a podcast, I suppose in all three of those examples, because then you can dive in a bit deeper. You know, it's like, I don't think, you know, I when I read Gareth's book I can also hear our chats and being like oh yeah okay I get that <laughs> you know so um and I can do that with the one without pitching I I see that in the podcast and then the same with Mary Porter's and her podcast I can I can see them all come together so yeah super cool excellent recommendations I'm gonna go and check I haven't bought um Gareth's book I need to buy that um <laughs> but it's really nice the way he's framing that I mean he's really driving a message is what I think is yeah. really cool about yeah. that and, and then um, some on his LinkedIn, like he'll do a quote from the book, and I think, oh God, I need to do that. Like <laughs> he put up one yesterday about like recommendations. Stand still agencies don't ask for recommendations, but stand out people, stand out agencies ask for them. And I'm like, okay, I need to go and ask for some recommendations. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Good, um, excellent, and that's almost a as close to a scripted segue as we could come. <laughs> Because now I need you to throw a couple of people under the bus. First, I just need to check in. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. How's it been for you? (laughs) Good. Yeah, great. Excellent. Okay, so you're not going to struggle then to throw a couple of people under the bus? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Okay, Um, cool. So I'm going to throw my friend Rachel Arthur under the bus, who runs um, an amazing 
a creative studio and magazine called Boom Saloon. And they take all of their profit and they put it into a different project for every issue of the magazine. So um, this current issue is about uh, for all the profits from this current issue go into helping people with dementia um, through a project in Edinburgh. They've done a project with refugees. They've done a project with uh, hard to reach young people. Um, yeah, really, really great business. I love it. So and a Brilliant. beautiful magazine. I was going to see if I've got a copy of it, but it's in the other room. So yeah, okay. look it up. <laughs> Super cool. That sounds really nice. And is there somebody else? I'm, I'm trying to decide between two people here. I'm not going to throw a business partner on the bus because I just do it too often and he'll kill me. <laughs> but um, Ross, who is a writer-director that we work with um, uh, on a very regular basis and is a really core part of the High Tide team, he, uh, Ross Johnson, he uh, he's quite like he's been working with us for a year, but he's brilliant and uh yeah, probably brings a bit of a different perspective to marketing too. And then there's yes. one other person which I don't I don't know if he would also kill me. <laughs> so oh, I'm let's gonna see. Say, um so our friend called Dylan Grote, he is actually just recently be started just to do his own TikTok um kind of kind of just dad jokes on TikTok really I would say but has found huge amounts of success from it and has I don't know what following it is off the top of my head but a big following for someone who just does it in their spare time and has had brands approach him um about you know do you want to come and be an influence for this this and this and gets free products and stuff so he's cool. probably got a very different view to video than me but yeah cool and his name is Dylan Grote G-R-O-A-T. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Excellent. So the way this works best is if you are able to, like Gareth did, if you're able to put together like a very short LinkedIn introduction or something like that or an email introduction, and then mm -hmm. I will pick it up for there. That would be brilliant. They sound like, I really want to speak to somebody about storytelling. So like a writer-director, I think, would be perfect for that. I want to speak to more creative people about kind of the creative process yeah and cool. i'm also really intrigued i have reacted i did a reaction video to um marketing people on tiktok so i am fascinated by tiktok and what's going on there so they sound like three great conversations if you are able to put together those introductions yeah. i would be enormously grateful and yeah, this will go as a clip as an example of how to win recommendations <laughs> okay <laughs> <Hi>, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> okay cool I have had a thoroughly wonderful time. Thank you so Thank you much. Thank you for having me. And, That's um, only a pleasure. You have a great Wednesday. And okay. Talk to you soon. Cool. So what I normally say to people is we'll say goodbye now for anyone who's watching and then I'll stop the recording. We'll say goodbye like normal human beings. Okay, it's just like cool. we did it already. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have Bye. thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you cool. soon. Cool. That's the cut. We'll be there. You're an absolute okay. legend. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was great. That was wonderful. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, thrown into the deep end. Apologies. That was a bit wishy-washy at the start, but that was it. Was great. It's great. I think it was a really cool conversation. I think it was really cool. I didn't. I didn't think you were wishy-washy at all. Okay. Cool. Fabulous. No. That's cool. <laughs> okay. So where I am, I've got. I'm putting these out on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I'm about okay. six weeks ahead. So okay. in about six weeks, at about five to ten on a Tuesday or a Thursday morning, you will get a message saying it's going live now. 
da da da. If you can give it a like and a share and a whatever, then it will do it a lot of good. But that's the next that you will hear from me. Um, you're an absolute legend. Thank you so much, Alex. Cool. Well, uh, let's keep in touch and yeah, let me know if you need anything from me. I will do for sure. You're a star. Cheers. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, are we? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Take care, Alex. Bye. 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 Bye.